Hey, hey, just a little bit of your head. You're so divine. Woo! Welcome Come back, Marvel fans. Get your love. Oh, yeah. Welcome back, Marvel fans. We are here for another episode of Marvel's Infinity Rewatch. Thank you, Aaron, for that intro. And today we are talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Who are you? <laughs> I was. I was... In the midst of going for uh, Ronin, and then I just kind of got lost in just delivering the line because I was, I was just hopped on excitement, and here we are. Oh, it sounded beautiful. But mm-hmm. who, are, who are you? What's your name? Oh, I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Got to get back in that rhythm. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, no, I am Ryan J. Whitehead. And I am Star-Lord. Oh. Who? Ah, there we go. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Star-Lord, man. The legendary outlaw. Ugh. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. funny, actually. Well, first of all, no. Who are you? I'm Andrew Fantasia. That's right. And we're here to talk about Marvel's Infinity Rewatch, Guardians of the Galaxy. And it's funny you do that little skit with the who. Because, let me tell you something. Before this movie, guarantee you all the listeners out there, most of you probably didn't know who Star-Lord was. Mm-hmm. No, that's you're 100% right. Mm-hmm. I, um, I showed you last time I was over, because we didn't get a chance to record this episode last time I was here, but... The I have a, a bunch of trading cards mm-hmm. from back in my childhood, which is how I've just decided I'm going to pronounce childhood. Uh, and in my childhood, when I got these cards, um, one of my favorite cards from this Skybox Marvel set was a little guy named Drax the Destroyer. Uh, and he wasn't even called the Destroyer on the card. He was just called Drax. And he was a big green man with a purple cape, and he was going, ah! Uh, that, that was his face mm-hmm. he made during, on the card. And I loved that card so much. And now, you know, 20-whatever years later... I'm seeing this guy in a movie and it's blowing my, I also knew about rocket raccoon, but just like, I just knew there was a talking raccoon with a jetpack. That's mm-hmm. literally all I knew. I knew nothing about him and that was it. Yep. Um, even in the cartoons, they never really referred to uh, the guardians of the galaxy. And in fact, uh, in the cartoons, uh, every kind of Marvel faction has a different space group that they interact with. Mm-hmm. Um, X-Men have the Shi'ar Empire, which is a really, really big one. Yeah. Uh, the Avengers have the Kree and the Skrull. Um, and actually, I would even argue that Fantastic Four also has the Skrull, because Fantastic Skrull. Four deal with Skrull And they, they uh, hang out with the Inhumans, too. Do they hang out in space, the Inhumans? I think they were on, like yeah, a, on the moon or something, right? Yeah, the Inhumans have a palace on the moon. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, there's a lot of different factions and groups, but the Guardians were a space group. Um, so, here we go. Let's uh, get into it. Let's let's give a little bit of background here of the Guardians. So, uh, I'll let you lead this part. What What is some things we might need to know going into this film? Uh, well, they are... Um, they, they, they came out with the announcement mm-hmm. for this movie. Marvel announced it. And I, I think, you know, back then I was just like, oh, okay... It's that raccoon I've heard about, and I don't really know too much about these people. But in hindsight, how cool was it, Ryan, that, you know, they've, they've had these movies come out where they're like, okay, here's Iron Man, yep. here's Cap, here's yep. Thor, here's Hulk. All these people that we know of, and then our first movie that is not about an Avenger could have been anybody. They went with Guardians of the Galaxy. This was a risky card, indeed, but the cast that they used was... Wow, man. Mm-hmm. First of all, Chris Pratt was on the break of becoming famous when this movie came out. Um, and and it's funny because he was actually filming Jurassic Park at the same time that he was oh, working wow. with Guardians. Um, and it kind of worked nicely because Guardians came out first. 
And he was worried that that Guardians wasn't gonna like before he like did the filming and everything. He was worried that Guardians wasn't gonna be like his takeoff movie. Oh. And Jurassic Park was. And funny enough, that Guardians did so well that it actually really helped them in uh, Jurassic Park. Not that Jurassic Park was bad, but it was definitely something that gave them a lot of presence because now people know. Um, but they had uh, Zoe. Oh, Zoe, you beautiful girl. Ah, uh, yeah, beautiful, she, I think hardworking. You, I think if I remember right, you said she was your biggest crush in, yeah, in the MCU. Yeah, she was so, one of them. Yep, definitely yeah. for sure. Um, she was. She was until uh, Astrid came along on the Cree from the Cree, uh, the Cree soldier. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Yes. Uh, and then Evangeline Lilly as well. Um, mm. So just, uh, yeah, living, living it up. Um, <laughs> and now the interesting one, I always like this when this goes right. Uh, mm. They bring in a wrestler. And, yes. and in the end, surprise, like, surprise, surprise, like, Batista killed it. Oh, Batista, man. Batista killed that role. And I had no idea what to expect. And he delivered. Um, and another big one was Bradley Cooper. He's a big mm. actor playing the voice of rocket raccoon like that's pretty incredible like it, it still to this day blows my mind that i mean they could have got anybody to play rocket and groot absolutely you can't listen to rocket and be like oh yeah that that sounds like bradley cooper's voice that's mm -hmm. distinctly bradley no it just it sounds like rocket you could have got like some no-name guy who just does voice acting for a living to be like hey can you do this rocket voice and he'd be like yeah hey, i'm a raccoon and it's like okay perfect you're hired, but they they went and spent money on Diesel and and Cooper. Like that's that's uh, a lot of risk. Mm -hmm. It is a lot of risk, but Diesel is a big comic book fan. He's he's really connected with mm -hmm. the nerd community, and so it was it was smart to have him come out and play someone like Groot. I actually thought he'd have a more physical role with Groot. Yeah, but apparently he was very much in the voice booth doing the the Groot role. Um, but they but Gunn was saying how impressed he was that saying one line how amazed he, how uh vin diesel could come up with how many different ways he could say i am groot because that's all he says in the movie um and fun fact is he played groot in all the international films because all he had to do was say one line right so french spanish everything like it's it's vin diesel playing the same character that's awesome mm -hmm. and I, I remember hearing i think this is true and i think they also do it with chewbacca in the new films not in the old oh, Star Wars okay film, yeah where uh, Vin Diesel's script, mm -hmm. Groot's lines were written in English, so only Vin oh. knew what he was saying. Oh, okay, and they they've done that with Chewbacca as well, I think, with mm -hmm. the new one. Um, so he he's got his motivation written there. Yeah, he's got like it says, you know, I love you, and he just has to say, I am Groot, as if he's saying, I love mm -hmm. you. Like there's, I think that that's whoever did, that came up with that decision, brilliant. Really? That's that's the yeah. way to do it. Um, and the other thing is, is now the trailers for this this oh, uh, this particular movie, the trailers were incredible. Um, yes. They used great music to get you very involved um, and uh, get you very excited. Uh, they used uh, "Spirit in the Sky" mm -hmm. for the the U.S. trailer. One of my favorite trailers is actually called. You guys can look it up too. It's called the extended U.K. trailer for the Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. and they used uh, "Cherry Bomb." for their trailer and it's so good it is so well done um and i remember too a fond memory i have of this particular uh movie was jimmy kimmel came out and and showed a preview of guardians of the galaxy and showed a little scene clip from it and everyone was just so 
so blown away by by this movie because again it's just something marvel hasn't done before it's even i remember kimmel was like this is something really different this time and it's like okay guys get ready like this is it and so yeah and and i remember being very excited with my brother and i because um my brother was very excited to see the collector yes uh, which is again benicio del toro not a common actor you would pick right out of the gate, but kills it. Mm-hmm. But we did see him before in uh, Thor: Dark World, being yeah. the collector. Um, but my brother saw the head of nowhere, and he was he picked oh. it up right away. He's like, "Whoa, they're doing nowhere. That's pretty dope." So my brother was pretty excited because, as mentioned many times on this podcast, uh, uh, my brother and I are from Brother Scrim, but my brother. In terms of Marvel knowledge, he is the cosmic side because he loved Fantastic Four, so he's seen right. a lot of the stuff that we're seeing through Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Yeah, I remember him talking about the, about the cosmic stuff a lot mm-hmm. when I would talk to him about the comics. Um, I remember the the trailer wise, I just the, the main one that I remember is the one that played Hooked on a Feeling. Yeah. That was the one that was I I that's to this day it's probably one of my favorite movie trailers ever. Is like it? it made me so happy. Yeah. And then they had uh, a poster. And the poster was just the Guardians standing together, and the tagline underneath said, it just said, you're welcome. <laughs> I, I was just like, this is the best marketing I've ever oh, seen yeah. for anything. I was so pleased with it. Well, even the trailer says, uh, uh, from the creators who brought you this, this, and this, comes a movie that's so good, it's criminal. Yeah. Which is funny, because yeah. there are criminals, right? So it's really good. And, and one thing I remember, like when I walked away um, from the movie, um, like, out of the theater, I mean, not walked away as in, I've had it. With <laughs> uh, but when I left the theater, I remember thinking to myself, this is the close, and to this day, it still is. The- that movie was the closest I have ever seen anything to the tone and the story of my fantasy books that I write. Mm-hmm. It is very, I, I, there's a character in my books who is a centaur who is so close to Drax. I was like, oh shit, like I better hurry up or they're going to think I'm copying him. <laughs> like, it, it was, it, I, I felt like I was watching like a slice of my mind on a screen. Right. Uh, and it helps that it's just this giant intergalactic fun thing. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like this and its sequel, they might be the most colorful movies ever made. Like they're so beautiful to look at. It it was such a it was such a beautiful film. Like they really went for and this is and at this time, like I think it was smart too because fans were at that point now where we've seen enough of New York. Like yes, and, and, yeah. and a lot of people were saying right after Guardians came out, like, when are the Guardians gonna meet the Avengers? Mm-hmm. And I I distinctly remember Chris Pratt saying, like, I hope they don't. And he said, I hope they don't meet them anytime soon because the further you go out, the more you get to see. And the second you make these two groups come together, you're going to be you're going to be like stuck back into limitation of what you're getting to familiar with in mm. terms of the universe. So I agree with them there. I was I was like, yeah, but you got a lot in this movie. You oh got you got nowhere. You got the Cree. You got you know you got Drax. You got all these. You got the prison. You got all this new stuff. You got all these new aliens. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. So, um, that being said, it came out at a good time. Uh, yes. It was a good, refreshing change of pace. But again, it was scary for Marvel. They're getting kind of confident now, and they take a risky card, giving us a group we barely heard of. And these guys are like, in terms of like, if Iron Man's a B-listing hero, these guys are C-listing. Like, yeah, these guys are very like cult following, like very small group. And it's funny because Star Lord is the leader. Mm. And out of all of them, he's the one that I had heard the least about yes. before the movie. Yeah. Like, I knew about Jackson Rocket. Groot, I feel like I'd seen pictures of him. And Gamora, mm-hmm. I had heard her name once or twice. 
but Star Lord, I was like, I don't know what that is. Like, so it, it it just boggled my mind that they they went on such a risk, but man, did it ever pay off? Oh, it's such a big payoff. So, and we get and started into the movie, right? Like it pans in and brings us into um, uh, brings us into uh, the kid in the mm-hmm. hospital with his mm-hmm. mom, um, and his mom's dying. So. It takes us into 1988, which again, I love that Marvel's timestamping certain events because uh, we're getting a clear line of sight as to what's happening. Um, And the more they do that, I think this is kind of like, this is definitely feels like more of a LucasArts approach where, you know, when you make really established events, you can really build story arcs around them. Like we got a hint of uh, which we're going to get into after Age of Ultron, which is Ant-Man takes place in in like the 80s with Hank Pym at first during the Cold War. Right. So we're getting a hint. We're getting that hint. So you already have this like Star-Lord lineup with the Hank Pym era. So you can almost get a story going that way if you wanted to. Not that not that I'm saying like Hank Pym and Star-Lord like. But what I'm saying is now you have it in the 80s. These events happen. So what else could happen and how would they tie in? Yeah, it's it's like there's. They're tracking where everybody is mm-hmm. in different points in time. They're yeah. they're keeping track of that. It's it's cool. And I gotta give props to this kid. This kid was a really good actor. Um, we also see oh, yeah, another yeah. very good actor who plays the grandfather. I can't remember his name, but he's a good actor too. Mm-hmm. He's actually a very close. He's a close friend of James Gunn, Josh Whedon, those guys. He does a lot of projects with them. So it's nice to see them there. Um, so the mom uh, is on her deathbed at this point. Yeah. Um, so we're getting that. And she talks, so he talks about, you know, the kids are picking on a frog. And she has, um, she talks about Peter's dad, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, you're just like your father. Uh, he's a He's a being composed of pure light. Now, at the time, people were thinking that his dad was a character known as Jason. Jason, like J A or apostrophe Son. He's the guy who hacks people with a machete at Crystal Lake. I'm familiar with him. <laughs> yeah. um, no, the last name's different. Uh, oh, he, is okay. J- he is Jason of Spartax. Oh, that's Spartax. Yes, okay, yes. yes, yes. So, so in the cosmic worlds, they actually have like a, a government that runs space. Ooh. And Star Lord's dad is that guy. Is the head of this government ego no oh jason of spartax okay so because i actually have the comic i have the comic and uh you get to see how the story happens so jason during his run of space his ship gets attacked by uh 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 alien race he's having trouble with i i want to say it's a shiar but i could be wrong could be even uh the shatari and his ship crash lands in a farmland and he meets star lord's mom Mm has the baby and then he has to leave and he explodes into his ship when he leaves makes a big flash of light and that's why she says he's a being of pure light right um so that was kind of a nice little nod there now a lot of people thought it was jason or spardox being his dad and especially when um uh yondu again another character that we get to see who is actually has a little he's a b-listing character you see him in a lot of other things he's worked with avengers in, in the past before um, but uh, he says his dad, his dad's a douche, and Star Lord uh, Jason of Spartax in the comics actually is known to be a bit of a, a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone was really banking on that. Well, I mean, he, it sounds like you know he was on Earth for all of ten minutes, and he already got one of us pregnant. Like, <laughs> that guy wasted the time. I yeah. actually had two questions for you about Yondu. Right. Uh, my first one is: Is he the same species as Ronan? 
because no. they're both blue. No. Or am I just be, I'm, so I'm just racist. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> and my second was a, a personal question for you. The first time you saw Yandu, were you a little disappointed of how small his mo- mohawk uh, was? Yeah, he, he's actually known to have a very big, yeah. humongous fin. That's that how it, I like, know him. That goes through his back, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I was a little disappointed at the look, but I get where they were trying to go mm-hmm. uh, with the character. And I get I get it because, again, they're trying to modernize the character, right? right. Like, you don't want to do it exactly like the comic books. Um, in fact, the in the comic books, which I like that they did it with this one, they gave him kind of a Louisiana yeah. swamp rat vibe. And yeah. he whistles uh, to control the arrow where in the comic book, he doesn't whistle. He just controls it with his mind. He doesn't need to. Ooh. Yeah. He, he has a bow and he fires the arrow, but once he fires it, he's able to control where it goes. See, and that's that is a good filmmaker taking advantage of their like, okay, I don't just have a visual medium, I also have an audio medium, so let me work with both of those. Well, and again, we don't know if it was um uh I wanna say Rourke, but that's not it, that's not the actor. Um oh. I can't remember the name. <laughs> oh boy, what is his name? Rooker. It's Michael like Rooker. Michael Rooker. Yes. Um, he, I, it could have been his decision. I don't know. It could yeah. be what he brought to the table. In fact, his character was supposed to be in, in, uh, Thor Ragnarok as well, but I guess the direction was not going to go that way as we will learn later on. Anyway. Mm. So, um, the mom talks about the, the father, which everyone starts getting a little excited about. Um, and the kid with the screaming, I felt every, yeah. every second of that runs outside and there's a ship beams him up right away. And then we get, we kick off into, uh, today's world. And mm-hmm. now he's in, uh, he's in the planet Morag. Uh, and, uh, Morag again is a familiar planet, but actually, um, I'll talk about this later cause it kind of connects later on, but there's a connection to the reason why he's on Morag. There's a huge connection to it. Besides him getting that thing, the besides the power him stone? getting the thing, there's another reason what, Ooh, what happened there. Okay. Um, so I love that we're getting a little bit of tomb raiding. I think we're not. Yeah. I don't see that theme enough in no, movies. No, and not and and done well too. Like uh, the new Tomb Raider was a solid attempt, but I want to see some tomb raiding. I want to see some adventure. That that solid is a kind word for that movie, <laughs> sir. You're you're too kind. I mean, uh, I love the the actress they found. I thought she was perfect. Oh, for the she's role. wonderful. And, yeah. But. Uh, Ooh, that was that was a journey through Blandstown for me. <laughs> that, um, I I was actually a lot of people were really pulling for Tomb Raiden kind of adventures in the new Star Wars films. And yeah, we didn't really get that. Uh, there's a whole canon thing that they keep hinting at, but never like showing us of like after Return of the Jedi, Luke supposedly ran around the galaxy doing a lot of that, mm-hmm. being like, hey, let's find ancient Jedi stuff. And it's like, hey, we ever going to get that story? And Lucasfilm's like, no. no. <laughs> well, again, like Star Wars, can, like Marvel and Star Wars, um, which I th- I could see why Disney picked them up, is you can do any theme. Mm-hmm. Like, you can do any theme in any movie and still get this, a similar experience. You know what yes. I mean? Like, still get a Marvel film or a Star Wars film. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see some Tomb Raiding with Star Wars, especially with the exploration of like the Jedi because obviously they must have left some sort of milestones Ooh, or texts temples or... all over the place brother mm-hmm. it is it is crazy there want to That's... see more of that definitely yeah we got a little bit in Jedi Fallen Order yeah which was cool mm-hmm. yeah. which takes us to our episode of Star Wars for this podcast no I'm sorry <laughs> can't take away can't take that away from James Brock. That's their shtick and they stick with it um so yeah, uh, so he's on Morag, and he uses this device that allows him to see a hologram of what the planet used to be like, mm-hmm. uh, which is really cool. Love the technology. Uh, the dog in the in the shot with the little girl that is James Gunn's dog, oh. uh, which is kind of cute. 
Uh, so he goes in and he does his song, which is a great twist of events. Like, we're, yeah. I thought we were going to get him just like having like that mystery and adventure that Indiana Jones has with the uh, with the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, but I love he puts on the headphones. And it's just like super funky 70s mm-hmm. and he's dancing and the, the thing and, kicks and in. And that's a great like amazing song i love that song the soundtrack for this movie was off oh, the hook. hit after hit and yeah. he actually really took um he really took his time planning out the soundtrack he was very adamant about mm. how much the soundtrack was uh, a role in the film and had a very specific tone yes. to create so he was very specific he says he went like cd he went to to music stores to shop for the the, the music he wanted and everything so he took that very, very particular. Uh, he took that as very hard work for him. And that's actually, you know, you you always stress the importance of legacy mm-hmm. in these in these movies. And yeah. I think that there is a big legacy that Guardians left, not even necessarily on Marvel, but on Hollywood. Because after this film, yeah. there was a huge spike in movies where there would be uh, the term is diegetic music playing during action scenes diegetic means it's in the world of the movie the characters are hearing the music too so like non-diegetic would be like the any of the music in star wars the characters aren't actually hearing like a symphony right they're just doing their thing diegetic means they actually hear it too so star lord hears that music it's diegetic that's really cool i didn't know that yeah that that, uh that trend became huge and then for the next like four years i noticed every action movie was just trying to shoehorn a way to have music playing during a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and e- even to the point where I feel like I love the movie still, but Guardians Volume 2, there were points where I'm like, it feels like they're just forcing it. Like Rocket's like, hey, do you have any of Quill's old tunes on this ship? And it's like, why why do you why does Rocket want tunes while they're about to go kill a bunch of a bunch exactly. of pirates, right? Like it became out of control. I remember the movie Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron. It was like every other fight, like she's accidentally bumping into a record player, and then oh, oh there, there's here comes some tears for fears while we fight. Yeah, when it's forced, it's it's awkward. Yeah, uh, and I think we, I think Guardians, uh, we got to give props to them for starting that trend. Oh, absolutely, I, and I love that term too. Learn something new on the show. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so he passes. So he's doing his dance, and I love the whole dance sequence. It's it's so much fun, and it's a great way to change the pace of the film and the tone, mm-hmm. um, especially because the 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 movie's a, a comedy like it, it is oh. very much an action comedy um, and it's a very light tone and they do a great job of going from a kid's mom dying in front of them to like a happy-go-lucky Tomb Raider that's like having a great time um, so he passes by a skeleton he slides by a skeleton mm-hmm. and he looks at it a lot of people were thinking that was uh, the skeleton of Beta Ray Bill because of the long schnout. Ooh. Um, so, or or at least a reference to Beta Ray Bill's or race. His cousin Beta Ray Bob. Yeah, Beta Ray uh, Bob or Rob. Beta Ray Rob. Uh-huh. Um, so, or Gil. Beta Ray Gil. <laughs> yeah, or Gil. He's uh, a fish man. He's half fish. So uh, he gets to the. Um, he gets to the door with the the vault. Sorry, he gets to the vault and he picks the lock. But you see the the gem coloration mm-hmm. on the the lock. He opens it, um, and in the background you see actually a lot of symbols and storytelling. I tried to make something of it, couldn't really do that. Uh, and then you see the orb. Now again, mm-hmm. at this point you could guess it's an Infinity Stone, but you're still way way off. Uh, and then we get the introduction of. Um, 
Korath, I think his name is. Korath, Korath the Pursuer. Yeah, yeah, Korath the Pursuer. Chime and Houndsu. That guy's intense. I love his voice. Yeah. Oh my god, his voice is incredibly powerful and seductive all at the same time. Um, so he, so yeah, and I love this action sequence. He's like, uh, you know, what's your name? He's like, I'm Peter Quill. It's like, is there another name you might know me by? Star. <laughs> it makes reference to Ninja Turtles because mm-hmm. the guys are poking them with the guns and stuff. Great action sequence. So I love this action sequence. I feel like I'm talking. So I feel like he, no, no, go for it. Okay. So he shoots him, takes him out. Cool. I love the sliding. I love the little yeah. rockets on his feet. His helmet actually is a very much more of a. Uh, more of the uh, today's Guardians look as opposed to back then. It mm-hmm. actually had a different type of helmet. Um, he actually looked like a, what's the word? Civil War, American Civil War kind of inspired outfit. You oh. get to see a hint of it with Rocket later on in Avengers. That's how they should look. It's a blue uniform, very Civil War looking oh, kind wow. of outfit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but his helmet and face mask is more of a modern look now, and the red jacket thing is that that was new. That was something they tried that was different. Um, so slides out and he does. I love the the big jump he does mm-hmm. into the ship and the freeze frame, and we get a lot of references, right? Like he gets into the ship, you see the troll doll, you see all the stuff. Um, so I love it, and he's and he's laughing. I love the. I always love in Tomb Raiding when it goes wrong, they have to get out of the temple really quickly. I love those sequences. Takes off. Okay, and he's, he's having a good time taking off. He's like, woo, did it. Um, and uh, he gets hit by the geyser and everything's falling yeah. and he's just floating around. Hits it. Woman comes out and she's like, Peter, and he forgets that he's there. So you learn later that his, uh, or the, the lady he's with is Marit. Marit. Now, if you know your comic books, you know exactly who that is. She is, I know she's not a nihilist because that's Christine Everhart. <laughs> Um, it was. I was counting the minutes until a reference <laughs> that that was coming. Oh my god! It's always gonna pop not, up when you oh least god, I gotta stop setting you up for those. Um, Marit. Um, no, I don't know who she is. So, uh, it's kind of interesting because I feel like I always know with Marvel films, and I think for you listeners out there who enjoy these films as much as we do, um, I think the interesting thing about this is that they put in Easter eggs very carefully, and you you could just play it off as such. You'd be like, oh, it's mm-hmm. cute. They just made this little nod. But this one seems pretty specific. Regardless that she wasn't in it later on, but like didn't have a role in it later on. So Marie... Uh, is actually from the Planet Hulk series. Oh, wow. In Planet Hulk, there's like a kind of like a sportscaster, and she's a sportscaster for Planet Hulk. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Did, did she cameo in Ragnarok? Like, did you see her in the background somewhere? No, I, again, Aww. once we get there, I'm going to keep an eye out for her, but I've watched Ragnarok many a times, and I don't recall Marie being there, but she is a big, she has a big role to play in Planet Hulk. That's awesome. And again, like I said it before, and I'm probably going to say it a million more times during this episode, is just, I love, I can't get enough of how colorful this movie is. Yeah. And like, Marie pops out, and they could have just got, like, a, a pretty actress and had her be like, okay, pop out of this thing. But mm-hmm. they went the extra mile and they made her pink. Yeah. She's pink. And I'm just like, oh, I love, like, I wish our world was, I wish we had blue and pink and purple people. Like, how beautiful this looks. There's this, uh, this old Mad TV sketch that, came to mind i remember the first time i watched guardians of the galaxy it was uh it was making fun of like b movies from the 50s like invasion of the saucer people (laughs) you know like because back then in the in the early 50s you would have pretty much like color movies slowly becoming the norm but it was still a big deal oh yeah so they would always advertise and they'd be like 
come watch the saucer people in Technicolor. Right? <laughs> so, so Mad TV did this sketch where it, I can't remember what the movie was called that they were making. You know, they were just like making a fake movie, but uh, they they get to this point where they're like, it's in techno color, and you see like the colors are just out of control like it's ridiculous mm-hmm. and the announcer is like still talking about how the movie's in color and he's like and introducing 12 all new colors <laughs> that's how i felt watching guardians yeah oh yeah they i mean we saw like yellow we saw pink we saw oh. blues we saw they were so creative it's and like it's, a box of yeah. crayons threw up on a movie camera uh, I, I love it yeah yeah that's a good way to look at it <laughs> so so yeah um, yeah so Marie bright pink skin um, and so uh, the news sequence in the background when he's like talking or hanging out with Marie they were talking about Cree riots are happening today. Mm-hmm. Now, this is why when we get to Captain Marvel, there's a lot of controversy, like nerd controversy with that movie, because it's a movie that could have connected a lot of things, but was very disconnected. I think the word is contra-nerdsy. Contra-nerdsy, yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that word, actually. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's do that. So, yeah, contra-nerdsy. Contra mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, it's... Because that, again, like Star-Lord, it's a little nod, but Star-Lord has a lot to do with the Kree because he's kind of in and out with what's going on around the Kree Empire. Um, so they're talking about all these big riots and that because they were upset about this peace treaty. Right. Um, so uh, peace treaty with the Nova Corps. So right out of the gate, you already got introduced to the Nova Corps. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people were hoping for Nova to be uh, introduced. Now, he Nova is a character I was familiar with, again, through the cards. Mm-hmm. But... I know he's Richard Ryder. Is There's Nova. two. There's two. Yeah. There's two. Yeah. It, it feels like it's like the Green Lantern Corps, where like you have Hal Jordan as Green Lantern, but there's like Kyle Rayner too. There's Guy Gardner. Yeah. Um, but now the Nova Prime character, Glenn Close, is that supposed? Like, is that who Richard Ryder was? Was he also no. Nova Prime, or he, was no. he just a Nova Corps soldier? So, so Nova, the planet Nova. Um, uh, so what you need to know about the planet that the Nova Corps is from is that Richard Ryder supposedly like, and a few other Nova Corps agents uh, survived the mass wipeout of Nova. Like it was wiped Mm. out. They're supposed to be like the, this beacon of civilization and, and they were trying to create civil peace by like creating these space cops and Thanos wipes them out, just takes them all out. Did Thanos ever at any point make fun of him because his name was Dick Ryder? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I know. I'm trying to remember the name of the other the other Nova guy. I think it's like Alex Sam Alexander or something like that. Mm. Um, so there's yeah, there's two. The Sam the second Nova. He's he he kind of uh, he kind of plays to. Uh, Oh God! What should we call it? He kind of plays to the younger audiences. The other character. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So there's there's a few iterations of of Nova, um, but yeah, the one I like to focus on and has a lot to do with Guardians of the Galaxy is Richard Ryder. So mm-hmm. and I'll explain how that plays out later on. So Ooh. so yeah, we get introduced to Nova Corps. So he's and then we get Yondu in there, which is great. Uh, Yondu, I love the approach to this character. Hey there, like, boy. Uh, I'm on Morag, and the Morag ain't no you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and um, so he's ignoring him, and he's trying to sell it. So we get that, and then we get introduced to Ronan. 
Yeah. I love me Ronan. He's a big bad dude. Now, a lot of people were saying mm-hmm. after this movie came out that he was not super memorable by Marvel villain standards. And I think I kind of agree with them because he really didn't have much of a personality in this movie besides, I'm angry. Um, I'm sure there's more to it. Like, I know he's he's uh, he's pissed because of something that happened to the Kree. Yeah. Uh, does this take place after the Kree Skrull War? I know that's a big thing where the Skrulls wiped out a bunch of Kree or something. So that's the question. In terms of comic book history, um, it's kind of tricky because every it, like whenever you're doing a movie or wherever you're doing comic books, some things happen simultaneously, mm-hmm. but you see them played one after the other, right? So it's kind of hard to, to pick it out. Uh, so in this particular case, I'm going to say... The Kree Skull War is happening. Ooh, I don't okay. think it's finished. Okay. And to be honest, with the way they're portraying the scroll, I don't know how this is going to play out. If we're going to see a secret invasion or or a Kree Skull Kree Skrull. That's war. it's hard to say. It's I, hard. I don't blame it's you at all. Hard. It's very hard to say that. It's it, and they're not giving you enough to really to create a definitive answer. Mm. So uh so yeah so that it's tricky to say dude it really is uh i'd say we're in terms of what evidence i've been given thus far we're given a secret invasion based on a movie we'll watch later on but yeah um we'll get into that but yeah so that's uh yeah Uh, that's ronan i I remember hearing i don't know where i heard it i don't know if it was commentary on the movie or somewhere but james gunn was explaining or it might have even been feige Mm -hmm. but somebody was explaining uh, a choice they made in the movie for the scene where we get Thanos yeah. in the movie. Uh, he actually pops up a lot uh, in holograms and stuff. Every time there's a, a hologram, uh, whether it's Thanos or Ronan in this movie, it really feels like Palpatine. Yeah. Uh, like they, they really go all out with the Palpatine feel. But when we get to this, the point where Ronan goes before Thanos, uh, they have that little moment where Thanos' dude there, the other, is getting all up in Ronan's grill and Ronan kills him. And again, I don't know who it was. One of the creators said they made that conscious choice to have Ronan kill this guy because they wanted to let the audience know how big a threat Ronan was. Because he was just some goofy blue guy with a hammer. Um, and meanwhile, you have like this team of five people who are like all super good fighters and stuff. And you're like, why is this one guy with a hammer such a big threat? So what they did was they looked back at Avengers and they were like, okay, this guy, the other, was powerful enough to slap Loki around. So we're basically going to create a chain of power. Everybody remembers, ooh, whoever this guy is, he slapped around Loki. Yeah. Well, now Ronan's going to come around and destroy this fool with like one hammer blow, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that kind of gave us that little pecking order. It, it created the food chain of like, this is a badder dude than that guy who was slapping Loki around. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing that... I feel like they did Ronan well. They mm-hmm. could have. They're, they're, again, I am. I am nowhere in a position to be like you could have done something better. But one thing I felt like they didn't establish enough was how powerful he is. Because essentially, what the Kree do is they send Ronan, the Accuser, yeah. to to a planet, and his job is to test to see if the planet can submit to Kree, and and if they can, then they will spare their planet. If they don't submit to Kree and they find the planet's too troublesome. Then they will wipe out the planet. Wow, what a bunch of jerks. So Ronan is basically the Kree's version of the guy in 300 who like goes to Sparta and is like, surrender. And then they kick him in the hole. He's basically that. He's the emissary who's like, we're going to invade you. And then 
Leonidas is like, no! And they kick him in the he hole. He is the will of the Empire. Yeah. He is the will of the Empire. And if they if the Kree sends him first, that, that's their instrument of destruction. Like that. Mm. So that's why they'll be like, okay, Ronan, yo, go judge this planet and see if they're, you know. And that's why I love the line that he says later on. He's like, you stand accused. Like, right. Very he's classic Ronan line. Um, which is a shame because I... Again, we'll talk about it later, but I really feel like they could have taken that character. They could have kept him going. For well, I, I was really pleased, even though, like like I said, he wasn't, you know, he didn't make a huge impact mm-hmm. on me. I was really pleased that he came back in Captain Marvel. Yeah. Like, it yeah. makes sense. He, it's the right time. He's part of the cosmic stuff. Like, why not? So mm-hmm. I was really happy that yeah, they did that. David Lee Roth, man, again, an actor you wouldn't, wouldn't firsthand pick for, uh, for this. David uh, Lee Roth. Hold on. Where are you, where are you I think thinking? that's his name. Uh, Lee Pace. Oh, sorry. Lee David Pace. Lee Roth is a rock star. Sorry, yes, my bad, my bad. <laughs> I was, I was so intrigued. I was like, "Where's he going with this <laughs> no, David no, Lee Roth no, no, story?" No, no, no. Um, yeah, no, it's. Um, uh, so yeah, so it's <laughs> sorry, <laughs> Lee Pace. Uh, anyways, he did a great job. Yeah. Great, great vocal vocality, very vocal thing of this thing. Uh, he was an elf too. He was, yeah. But so, anyways, I loved him as Ronan, and so in the scene, he has a Nova Corps agent mm-hmm. and he and they're like bringing him out of this bath and they're like suiting him up and everything and he he goes uh he goes they called me zealot they called me this and then uh and they're like uh but we signed a treaty he's like my people know no treaty mm-hmm. just it was a beautiful setup of ronin and, yeah. and this is why i love like they could have taken it so much further like there's so many cool things you could have done so i love the introduction and then we also get nebula Yes. And Nebula in the comics, you know she's a big role in Infinity, uh, the Infinity Gauntlet series. So, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. Um, so, we see a very new take on Nebula because Nebula actually has some really awesome 80s hair where it like balloons out and it's like super Ooh. blue and wavy. Um, very, very lovely character. And uh, again, love... Um, Oh God, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan, yes, thank oh, you. She's so intense, man. In this role, like she, she really took this role and just ran with it. You know, she must have really killed that audition. Like I, I couldn't imagine. Like when I think of Nebula, like she's had to deal with some really crazy, powerful people. So mm-hmm. to be like a proper, I don't want to say servant, but assistant mm-hmm. or something along those lines. Um, like the right hand of these characters, she plays an amazingly powerful character. Like just yeah. to see it, it's so good. It's such a great character, and she kills it. Oh, and and we we always talk about how our old acting teachers would say like, oh, this isn't real acting, mm-hmm. you know, these superhero movies. But man, like look at Karen Gillan. Look what she looks like. Beautiful statuesque redheaded yeah. lady. And look at Nebula. You need to be a good actor. To go from one to the other. She goes from one to the other. Like, that is acting. Yeah. That is stepping into a character. She's you know, unrecognizable. You know what? Watch. You want to see. In, in, always with actors, uh, you want to see, like, crazy performances. You know what? Compare her to her uh, next film, or at least the next film I saw her in, which was Jumanji. Mm-hmm. And then compare it to Nebula's performance. And you're just like, you got two really unique performances. But also, like, just, like, look at her, like, social posts. Like, just just not, like, Nebula's not, like, a type of character I would have picked her out as. Like, right. Right out of the gate. Um, so, yeah, her audition, she must have really killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she even committed by shaving her head and doing yeah. the whole thing. So, it was really cool to see that. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so we got Nebula, and then we get Gamora as well. So we finally see Gamora. Yeah. Uh, unique look for Gamora. It's pretty close. I, again, I love that they're painting the skin. We're seeing all those practical effects. Um, uh, Gamora has very yellow eyes, but they kind of use the makeup blending technique to kind of make her look similar, but oh, not okay. exactly the same as comic books. I kind of wish she had a brother named Sodom. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough uh you're welcome <laughs> i don't know where to go from there um so we get gamora and then she is already like ready to go after the uh go after the orb mm -hmm. seems like everyone knows what this orb is already orb. but the viewers did, did you have any inkling when you were in the theater that that was going to be a stone no, actually, I, I actually thought it was going to be just like a, a weapon that was tied to that movie. Like, oh, okay. but I had no idea it was going to be the the Infinity Stone itself. Mm. But it was interesting to see that everyone's like going after it and knows yes, what it is, right? Yes. Um, and I, I love it. So uh, uh, we get we go back to uh, the Nova Nova Prime planet or whatever it's called. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, uh, Xandar. Xandar. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yes, Zand planet Xandar. Again, colorful, bright gorgeous you know it's funny too because the city is really gray the city yeah. is incredibly gray but they use a lot of bright tones mm -hmm. and it makes the city really pop and it's it's really beautiful there's like these little i don't even know what you call them just like these lights these little orbs of light mm -hmm. and they are like pastel pink green yellow and blue and i'm just like god take me there yeah somebody <laughs> take me there remember folks we live in canada it's very bland here. it's very yeah everything's very gray and brown gray uh gray browns and summer will get some green yeah it all blends together um so uh we got we go back to xandar and he goes to the uh not the collector but a broker he goes to broker and broker has these crazy eyebrows Finds out Ronan's involved and he breaks the deal, kicks out Star Lord, and then the Gamora and Star Lord meet for the first time, mm -hmm. uh, and she steals the orb from him. But they don't meet for the first time for the last time, because in Endgame they meet for the first time again. That's right. Ooh, Ooh creative writing. <laughs> um, so, so I love this chase scene again. We get another yeah. chase scene. So Star Lord is kind of running a lot. Uh, but we also get the introduction of Rocket and Groot. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, just beautiful characters. It's interesting, though, that they chose Bradley Cooper because Rocket in the uh, cartoons uh, that actually the, the couple cartoons I've seen before Guardians came out, um, uh, Rocket's always had kind of an off British slash off Scottish accent. Ooh. Mm -hmm. that's funny because before again like i had heard of rocket but i have never seen mm -hmm. him in anything before the movie came out yeah. when i would just see like an image of rocket i don't know why but my brain assumed his voice sounded exactly like how bradley cooper made his voice sound really yeah kind that's, of like a guy a goodfellas yeah just like this joe pesci this sleazy kind of come on i'm a raccoon here yeah. that that's the voice i pictured just from seeing his photo I believe Bradley Cooper quoted saying he based his performance on Joe Pesci from uh, Goodfellas. Wow, that's funny. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. So, uh, but a lot. I think I've. I think there was two Rocket appearances in like uh, interactive media or just like cartoons and stuff that you got to hear his voice. And both times they used kind of like an off-British Scottish accent kind of thing. So, wow. kind of an interesting approach. Um, and so. 
so we get introduced to uh, we get introduced to Groot and Rocket, and then the chase is happening. Uh, so we love that. We also get our Stanley cameo, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which is great. I think one of the few Stanley cameos where he doesn't say anything. No, he doesn't say anything directly. No, yeah. he's talking to the girl about showing her a plate collection. Mm. Uh, is what he mentions. You want to see my plates? I have this great plate collection. Uh, I've got cups and saucers. So, uh, so we get Rocket and Groot. It's awesome. The chase sequence is great, uh, and then we get the again the Nova Corps with their ships and everything. But I love the armor that they're wearing. Yeah. It's really reminiscent to. Uh, Nova's armor, but I think when they, if they actually do Nova, which they're, when we get to other movies, I'll describe that Nova could have made an appearance. Mm. Um, but I think Nova's armor is going to be a little more outstanding. Um, whereas these guys are more militaristic. Do you think they'll go with the yellow helmet? Because that's kind of his thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're introduced to Denarian Day, um, when he picks up Star Lord, Mm -hmm. played by, um, oh my God, I'm so bad with the names today. Is it John C. Riley? That's the one, John okay. C. Riley. So yeah. John C. Riley picks him up. Now, Denarian Day is an important character because he's the part of Richard Ryder's origin story. Ooh, so mm. I hope he comes back then. I hope he comes back. Yeah, he great. actually, I'll, I'll talk about it when we get to it, but Denarian Day has my favorite moment in the whole movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. interested to see what that is. Yeah. Um, I think I know what it might is. I, I think I know what it is. All right, so... Uh, they catch Rocket and uh, they catch Groot and stuff, and they we get that incredible scene where they're all being like in the room in the front of the glass, and mm-hmm. you see them all standing together. Uh, so good, and Star Lord's doing the finger yeah. thing. It's, oh, it's great. Uh, but we get uh, their briefing, and then it even shows you uh, goes to a really high level uh, with Rocket. They actually make reference to a comic book situation that and his known affiliates. They talk about a specific event that happened to Rocket. Can't remember what it is, but it's really good. Um, Groot, uh, they actually mention he's from Planet X, which is really neat. Mm. Living Planet. Uh, also, fun fact, the same planet where symbiotes are from. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay, so now we need to see Carnage versus Groot. I, it needs to happen. I would love to see it. Um, I have a question about the jail scene. I remember asking this question to a friend of mine, and uh, he gave me the cynical answer, so I want to know if the cynical answer is the right one or not. <laughs> My question is, is there an in-universe significance to them getting sprayed with orange liquid in the jail, or is it just a cynical thing of that was just an excuse to get Chris Pratt out of his shirt to get ladies to watch the movie? There is no significance to them. So being they just wanted Chris Pratt out of his shirt to show off his bot. Oh, okay. Well, right. to be fair, he did have a huge physical transformation. If you, be- he did. Yeah, he was a chubby guy before. Yeah, he was a. Yeah. If you see him in Parks and Rec, he's a bit of a chubby dude. Mm. And um, he did a joke in Parks and like the behind the scenes of Parks and Rec where he actually, and it's funny because it's coincidence. All this happened like pure coincidence. He did a joke where he's like, oh, I got an email from Steven Spielberg. I would like you to do the next Jurassic Park. Had no idea they were working on an next Jurassic Park. Oh. And uh, and then after that, um, he just decided to lose a ton of weight. He just did it as like, I'm just going to do it. And he just like built out like a superhero, like just instantly. That's, I thought it was because he got this role that he worked out. Wow. So that just, that was just serendipitous. He just did it and... That's awesome, man. Good for you. He him. did a social post of like, I'm going to lose weight and like gain muscle and stuff like that. And then he just pff, decked out. Decked out, man. Uh, so, 
uh, we have that as well. Um, and uh, so yeah, so they get they get to go to the krill uh, again. I don't know if that's like a huge, um, if that's like a huge reference. I'm not too familiar with it to be honest with the you. The prison. Yeah, the krill prison. I'm not familiar with it. I haven't seen it before. There's some cool cameos in that prison, though. You got mm. Nathan Fillion. He's the big alien who uh, okay. gets his nose. Fun fact about Nathan Fillion. Uh, fun fact about Nathan Fillion. Uh, everyone thought he was going to be Richard Ryder as Nova. Ah. Everyone thought. He had the personality. Yeah. He has the zingers. He has all that stuff. So, uh, so that was a big thing. There. I feel like Nathan Fillion, there was a point in time where probably like shortly after Firefly got canceled, where mm-hmm. he was the right age... Uh, and he, everybody wanted him to play like every comic book character. Like there were so many famous character roles that he could have stepped into and he never was given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. I remember, I, I hate these games and I don't care about the movie, but there was a lot of people who wanted him to be the guy in Uncharted. Oh, yes. Uh, a lot of people wanted him Nathan to Nathan Drake. Be, yeah, Nathan Drake. A lot of people wanted him to be Flash yep. at one point and like different heroes and now you're saying like Nova. And I feel like there was so much demand for Nathan Fillion and he never got any of these roles. And it's a bummer. It's such a bummer. I actually, I remember seeing him at Fan Expo uh, one year. And he was at the peak of his, like, nerd fame. Like, right. he was just way at the top. And they asked him at a Q&A. They asked him, uh, they're like, you know, hey, man, why aren't you, like, in a Marvel film or something like that? He's like, I'm waiting for them to invite me. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, I would love to do it. He's like, that's not the problem. I would love to do it. And he's like, but haven't just haven't got it. Yeah. And, and everyone's like, WTF, right? Um, but yeah, he was heavily talked about to be Richard Ryder in Guardians of the Galaxy because the comic book they based it off, which I have, Richard Ryder is a very predominant role in the story, and so is Iron Man. So, uh, so, but I can see why they didn't because again, you have to establish a lot of things. But yeah, uh, Nathan Villian was was casted as just a prison guy. Just yeah, a just a random prisoner. And then there was another cameo that I remember spotting, and it's a split second, but it's uh, it's Lloyd Kaufman. Oh, okay. uh, Lloyd Kaufman is a filmmaker. Uh, he is the, I think he's still the president of a company called Troma, oh, okay. which makes really sleazy, schlocky B-movies. You ever heard of the Toxic Avenger? Yes. That's I love Troma. that film. Yeah, oh, that is God. Lloyd Kaufman. He's, and he's just, yeah. uh, he's one of the guys, he's like an older guy. Uh, and he's he's on like a, a railing and he's laughing down at the guardians and he's going oh ha, ha, ha. he's he's just there and I remember seeing him for a split second in the movie theater I'm like oh my god it's Lloyd Kaufman <laughs> and then he he never came back and I was like okay that's fair but he is um, a big influence on James Gunn when James Gunn made Slither uh, that yeah. was sort of like a, a tribute to the movies that Troma makes like the oh, the Toxic okay. Avengers and things like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was really cool seeing him in there. I like, I like oh, that's boy. awesome! Yeah, the prison scene's a beautiful scene. And again, talk about color, man! Like Ooh. for a prison, you got bright reds, you got you know yellow aliens, you got uh, blue aliens. Oh my god! Yellow, yellow uh, prison suits. Yes, like, everything right. Um, so Gamora, I love this scene. It's so important. Gamora walks in and everyone's throwing stuff at her, and like, mm-hmm. and she just says. Um, uh, you know, all the things in front of me is, but like nightmares behind me or something like that. I can't remember, but it's a deep line because Gamora is, is tied to Thanos, has a big history with Thanos. And to be honest, like I'm, I love the scene because it really illustrates that like none of this matters, like nothing matters. Yeah. 
to Gamora. Nothing. Because yeah. she knows how scary Thanos is. Mm-hmm. And none of it. That's why I'm so pleased that he was in this movie, mm-hmm. even for just as little time as it was, because this is, uh, we're in phase two. Uh, now they're going all out in terms of connectivity. Yeah. Uh, but Guardians is very, like, A, it's a very standalone story, and B, the characters are literally standalone because they have nothing to do with the characters that we've met so far. They're right. literally in another galaxy. Right. So the fact that they threw in Thanos makes it feel. A, more connected and cohesive, but B, more epic. Yeah. Because to me, it's like, okay, we have this whole story of dealing with the orb, dealing with Ronan, meeting the Guardians, going through their character arcs. But then also, here's this Thanos guy, and he's just in a throne like Palpatine, and he's like, I'm Josh Brolin. Yeah. Uh, and, and we know he's coming back for more. Yeah, and it's, it's so good. I actually remember the line now, too. She says, everything ahead of me is but a dream to the nightmares that were behind yeah. me. And it's just like what like that is so deep i'm gonna say that in my speech at your wedding (laughs) so uh so yeah it's it's crazy and then we get our first shot of drax which is good Mm -hmm. um the scars actually is deeply illustrated on his body it's a shame they don't get a lot of close-ups on like the his makeup uh for the the drax skin but all the scars are like skulls and like i I think it's like all the people he's killed and like stuff like that so uh because of what's happened to him which is really cool that's Uh, awesome i i always hope uh that wherever it is that they film these movies they have like good heating because mm-hmm. poor Batista is topless in every like he never gets to wear a shirt. No, <laughs> so like Definitely I just not. I just hope the poor guy's not cold. Yeah, um, but again, actually I hope he is because that makeup will run if he's if he's oh, not true. Yeah, right. so I hope he's just a little bit chilly, but I just hope he's comfortable. Yeah. But like again, the the colors, Drax is green, mm-hmm. Gamora is green, they don't look alike. It's it just it constantly super attention me. to detail. Yeah. Man. Um, and it's great. That's a good point too. They don't blend together because mm-hmm. of because they're both green. They're just one's an off green and the other one's a bright green. Yeah. So it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, so in this particular case, uh, I love it. it. It works. And Drax is so cool. They introduce him so subtly, and yet he just owns the scenes. Like every scene he has yeah. is so much fun. I love the breakout. Uh, Rocket figures out how to break out of a, a, a prison that's uh, designed not to have any breakouts. Mm-hmm. Um, fun scene. The fight sequences are great. Gamora just destroys people. Uh, I love also also the scene where Drac threatens her, and then <laughs> Star Lord saves her. It's really fun. Yeah, a, a great intro to one of our heroes too. Because again, mm-hmm. these aren't. Uh, Goody two shoes people. No, no. Uh, I love that he's like, I like your knife. I'm gonna keep it. He's like, that that was my. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, these guys are not cuddly people, but they they somehow get forced together in a beautiful mm. way. Um, so they get into the they get into the cells. And we see Novacore now. The interesting thing about the Novacore in this, I was expecting them to be like Nova in in the sense they fly, shoot lasers out of their fists, like the gyrometric, whatever they call it. Like me, I can do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like why weren't they doing what you're doing? Um, but we do get to see them with the helmets. Yes, which yeah. is really cool. They have the they have the silver helmets on, yeah. which is opposed to the gold one that Nova wears. Um, uh, but actually, I think. If I'm not mistaken, the helmet, the gold helmet that Richard Ryder wears, actually has uh, all of their like like Nova laws and stuff built in. It's like a computer inside the helmet. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like his version of 
the Green Lantern ring. Like the exactly. ring tells him everything. Yeah, like, in this in this case, the helmet does. Yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, so they have the rocket launchers of all things, and uh, so the guys like get him to shoot the rockets, and then. Uh, I love the humor of Drax that he's totally literal and, oh, and metaphors just go over his head. That's I, the funniest line. Hands I don't. I don't remember him in the comic books having that trouble. So I. I, I loved it. I thought yeah. it was hilarious. Oh my god. And I. I feel like um, that's one thing that I missed when we went into Volume Two was like, and it makes sense narratively. Like Drax became more like his friends. He became a bit less literal, mm-hmm. but. I miss that whole, um, you know, everything is so, he's so over the top in how comic booky he is. Um, like even, it's not meant to be a joke, but when they break out of the prison and they're like, you know, Star-Lord went to go get his Walkman and then uh, they're waiting for him and he comes back and he's like jetpacking through space. Drax is the first one to see him and he just points out the window and goes, behold. And I'm just like, that's, nobody says behold. That's yeah. hilarious. That made me laugh so much. <laughs> it's, it's funny. It, it is true. And he says the weirdest things, but it's so good. And he's like, I think even in the prison when he's about to, when they're about to break out through the tower, um, he says, uh, make sure you relieve us of this earthly confinement. And it's like, who talks like that? Oh, but it's so good. And that's the thing. Who talks like that? Characters that were written for Marvel Comics yeah. in, in that era. So the fact that they, you know, they modernize the story, but they are not afraid to play and like have some fun and poke some fun at the fact that, yeah, this is if you read those comics from the 70s or whatever, this is what all these people sounded like. Yeah, it's, it's totally, and it's super cool. So again, great job, super creative. Um, so they get out, they break out of the ship, and then we even see. I love the way Star Lord fights. It's a very kind of uh, barroom brawler. Is probably yeah. the way I would describe it. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I love he shoots the guy. Now he he has these special space guns that he gets right. Um, now these space guns were actually given to him by his father. Jason of Spartax. And they're called elemental space guns. Uh, so, well, not space guns. They're called elemental guns. And they shoot different elements out of them, essentially, is what it works, is, is the way it works. Um, so they can freeze people, they can electrocute people, they can do all sorts of things. So this particular case, it seems like they only shoot their beams of light, mm-hmm. but it actually looks like the gun in the comic books. That's cool. But it's cool how he uses them to fight, grabs a dude, puts him in a headlock, shoots the other guy while he has it in the headlock, uh, I love the guy where he's like, oh, my neck, and he just shoots him again. Um, but you do get to see him electrocute people. So you do see the the gun do different things, which mm-hmm. is pretty interesting. Uh, he gets the headset, flies back, he's got the orb, and then they, they head off. Now, what I love is we finally get the introduction of Thanos in full Thanos, mm. full shot, full body shot, sitting in his throne, apparently, in the middle of, uh, you know, just middle space. Yeah. Um, and so he's, uh, <laughs> I love it. Ronan tries to like, he's like, oh, you know, you, your daughter planned to betray us this whole time. You knew this. Like, what the hell, man? You're, you're terrible. You're the worst person to work with. And he's like, uh, as you take this matter, the only thing important is that you take this matter seriously. And I love the line. It turns around. He's like, the only thing I don't take seriously is you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. And then we get the first real voice of Thanos, which is yeah. uh, which is portrayed by uh, again, man. I'm just sucking with the name. Oh, it's there. okay. It's Mr. Joshua Brolin. That's right, the Brolin. Yeah. Brolin. Now Brolin's voice is so earthy and just like yeah. really just well done. Um, 
and yeah, incredible scene. And then they kill the other right out of the mm-hmm. gate, which really sucks. Like that character know, didn't other. get enough uh, attention for sure. So yeah, the only thing, yeah, he says the only thing I don't take and then uh, took away his favorite daughter, Gamora. This is true in the comics. He actually did love Gamora a lot. Uh, Gamora is a very fierce warrior, and she just didn't get what Thanos was about, which is unfortunate. Nebula was like. I love you, man. Like, I'm willing to do whatever you need. And he was like, okay, sure, whatever. And just didn't didn't accept Nebula, which what was... A, what a dick thing to do. Mm-hmm. Guys, don't be like that to your children. Don't be a Thanos. Be well, a... be a, Who's a good parent? Be a... Um, oh, boy. This is, there's no slim pick. Be an Aunt May at best. Be an Aunt May. No, you know what? Be a Peggy Carter. I'm sure she loved her kids. There you go. But yeah, be an Aunt May. Yeah. I, 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 um, I actually sent... Um, you know those emoji things that move their mouths like you can make them look like a thing i i sent one to uh my friend robin just randomly i don't know why it popped in my head but i made my emoji look like aunt may <laughs> this is such a weird tangent i just made my emoji look like aunt may and i just randomly sent him a thing where i'm like when you saw mary jane for the first time you grabbed my hand and said aunt may aunt may is that an angel <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, you still might be doing that. Oh, that's good. That is good. I love the impression, too. That's a good impression. Thank you. I, mm. I, I am Rosemary Harris in real life. Don't tell anybody. Fair enough. Now, the Guardians of the, Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy. Galaxy. The Guardians of the Galaxy, yes. the comics, mm-hmm. are they as fun and wacky and colorful as this, or are they more serious? and Like, like what are those comics? If they are as good as this, how the hell were they not popular? Well, that's the thing. Their early comics, mm-hmm. they weren't. They weren't as good as later on. And I think it's called Guardians of the Galaxy Legacy Run. Um, it is uh, It is really... In- like They have like this futuristic version of Captain America who apparently like survives like these crazy events on Earth. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it's... There was a change. Like in 2000s, they really kind of revamped everything. And Guardians of the Galaxy got a revamp. And it was really, it was really good. Just no one knew who the Guardians were. So mm. that comic book really did well. But it was actually widely celebrated uh, as a, like one of the best comic books that Marvel has put out was Guardians of the Galaxy. And this was like a good decade before the movie came out. Yeah. Wow, good. Yeah, so they did have they they had all the right tools. It's just again when when you it's like Spider Man. Spider Man just took off at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Same with Fantastic Four. Same with X Men. Like they all had a very specific thing. Guardians was like one of those experiments that just never took off. That's too bad. Mm-hmm. I want to read those comics now. The early two thousands Guardians. I want to see what those were like. Exactly. Um. So then they get to nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the head of a celestial. Ah, yes. And again, I mentioned at the top of this episode how much this movie re- reminded me of my fantasy books. I swear to God, Ryan, you're not going to believe me. The main location of my stories is called Nowhere. Nowhere yeah. yeah. No, I remember that. It's, it's... You've sent me some drafts of your stuff. Oh, I know, that's right. I know. Okay, okay, good. So you do believe me. So tell me about the celestials. Mainly what I want to know. Oh, boy. Is Galactus a celestial? And do you think we will see them in the Eternals. Okay. Yes. This is a long-winded answer. So okay, good. I long-winded like long-winded answer. Uh, and so here we go. I'm going to do my best, my brother. Uh, if you're listening, hope to God I do this right. <laughs> and Marvel fans, 
I am I am going solely based on bits and pieces of memory here, so bear with me. Um, okay, so celestials are like Marvel gods, essentially. They're they're pro life. They're all this stuff, and they're very powerful beings. Uh, and then there's deviants. Deviants are anti life, and they're they're like you know we ain't about that stuff. Uh, so the celestials are all designed by Jack Kirby. Um, they're variants of names. They have very variant powers, and the Eternals are kind of like celestial gods. They kind of play a role within the celestial gods. Galactus is a celestial god. Mm-hmm. He is legit a force of nature. He's been defined as such by Reed Richards. He is what he is. He's a force of nature, and that's the way it is, right? Yeah. Um, he's not evil. It's just he needs to eat planets in order to survive. Um, and he's been bestowed with the power of cosmic. So right. he, that's how Silver Surfer became the Silver Surfer, was Galactus needs a herald to help him find planets in which he can consume. He finds a character like Silver Surfer who was stuck on a planet, and he wanted to see the universe and... Uh, in order to survive as a planet to be destroyed, he said, Yo, I'll totally be your herald. Psh, I don't care about this planet. Yeah. And then through that, which is the beauty of Silver Surfer, he learns about the meaning of life being the Silver Surfer through his choice of destroying his own planet. Yes. Um, so I could be horribly wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's how the story went down. Okay. Now, Celestials, uh, you do actually get to see one a little bit later on in this movie. Um, so I will point that out later. Okay. Um, but that's really the major definition is like, they're just these massive godlike beings and Galactus is the best example of what a celestial is. Right. Now, it's not much of a description, but it's the best I got. I've always been fascinated by Galactus because I'm like, again, uh, like as you mentioned, he's not evil. He's just kind of doing what his nature is. Um, which is still frightening because I'm like, if there is an evil celestial, like mm-hmm. imagine what kind of damage that thing could do. And because they're so big that they can literally devour planets, is there a planet big enough for them to walk around on and live on? Or do they just kind of walk through space? Because that's every time I see Galactus, he's just kind of like floating mm-hmm. in the void. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they can all get on planets together. Yeah. They're oh, just, okay. It's just a bunch of giants. They're just giants. Yeah. They're massive. Um, yeah, so the way they're described here is that they're immensely powerful and of huge humanoid shape. The Celestials are some of the oldest entities in the Marvel Comics universe. They debuted in the Bronze Age of comic books and have appeared in publications for four decades. The Celestial fourth host uh, from left to right is Hargan, Tefral, Nazar, Gaminion, Arsenth, uh, Jama. Or Jemaya, Ensign, Oneg, and Zarya. Jemaya makes amazing pancakes. Yes, yes, indeed. And uh, and Galactus is a later on one, but yes, those are Celestials, and they're just they're super powerful beings. So you think there's a shot we'll see them in Eternals? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, hands down. Very cool. And you also see them in uh, Thor Ragnarok. You see like a worshiper group of them. Ooh, okay. I'm really looking forward. They to have the weird heads. Them. They have weird heads with like like little thing shapes coming out of it. I can't describe it other than that. I wish everybody could see what I just saw Ryan do with his body. <laughs> I did like voguing. I, I've essentially just vogued in front of uh, Fantasia here. <laughs> I think actually, I have in my notes here, my next note I think might be where you say we see a celestial, which is the explanation collector gives. Is oh that- yeah, let's get to that scene. That's yeah, a good man. scene. Okay, so so 
Move, fast forward from Thanos, the Ronin scene, a lot of fun. Nebula's great. They go to prison. Wonderful stuff. Yeah, they get to nowhere. Yeah. They play some craps at that table, and then yeah. they meet Tenelier Tavon. Tenelier Tavon, a.k.a. The Collector, who is the brother of the Grandmaster. Ooh. And we were talking about James Bond earlier before we started rolling. He uh, was a, a henchman in License to Kill 1989. Was he? he Vinicio Latore. Yeah, he was really creepy. He has a, a really funny line where... Um, he attacked James's two friends who had just gotten married. Mm-hmm. And James is like, where, where is like the bride? Cause he couldn't find the bride. And Benicio del Toro is like, don't worry, partner. We gave her a nice honeymoon. <laughs> <laughs> that was Dr. No, wasn't it? No, that's license to kill. License to kill. 1989. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Well, Benicio del Toro, he's, he's like, he falls in line with actors like Nicolas Cage, where they just take these bizarre approaches to, yeah. to lines. Uh, but I think The Collector is the one time where it just bleeds together so well. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... He just delivers these beautiful lines. And I love his stance. Like, he's just, like, yeah. got the weird glasses, and he's just standing off into the light. I think this is actually what Benicio is like in real life when he's not working. He just stands in his house, yeah. polishing things, and you could go over, and you could be like, hey, Benicio, what's that? And he'd be like... This is a powerful spell. And he has like a servant girl and he's like, put your elbows into it. Well, no, I love, well, I love that. Cause like when we're introduced to him in the, in the guardians movies, like Karina, Karina, the other people have elbows. Do they not? <laughs> like, it's just so beautiful. Um, so in that shot, the collector scene, people are still studying to this day, Easter eggs that are in those cells, um, the obvious one we're given to right away is Cosmo the dog. Mm-hmm. He's a comic book character. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's a Russian experiment uh, where the Russians sent a dog to space. And this dog de- develops telepathy and he's able to speak to people through his mind. Ooh. Yes. Okay. So we get Cosmo the dog. We get Howard the duck. We get... Which made me so happy, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get, we get someone that looks like Beta Ray Bill, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wears like a red jumpsuit and he's very far in the background. This was Beta Ray Phil. Yes. He's an accountant <laughs> for Beta Ray Accounting yeah. Solutions. <laughs> well, the, the, the Carbonites, which is the alien race, I mean, there's a lot of them. and They're, they're called Carbonites? They're called Carbonites. Oh, wow. Does yeah. Han Solo ever get frozen inside one of them? Well, funny enough, you should say that. And their planet also gets wiped out by, but not by Galactus, by Surtur. Oh, Surtur's a jerk. Yeah, Surtur's a big old jerk. He wrecked Asgard, and for me, that's yeah. uh, that puts him in my black books. I don't like him. Yeah. Well, like, the sun essentially explodes and wipes out his planet, very much like the Star Trek, uh, the new movie with J.J. Abrams, like the first one where the where Romulus, they blow Vulcan. Romulus, the, planet, uh, the sun goes supernova. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. He, gets, uh, he gets on his ship, and they create a ship, this population, they genetically enhance beta ray bill to like protect them essentially while while finding going through space to find a new planet to live on uh and they put them all they freeze the entire population on the ship so they're all mm. about the freezing maybe han solo met him maybe it didn't Who knows? Uh. uh but anyway so we do we do see uh, it's still unconfirmed a lot of people are still kind of unsure if that's really beta ray bill or like or, you know, if that is a reference. Uh, but James Gunn has said that not everyone's found every single Easter egg that he's put in that movie. So Damn. It's a long shot. But you also see the Dark Elves from uh, Thor Dark World. You get to see um, Chitauri. You get to see so many people in those, uh, so many references in there. Um, and I like how Collector offers to collect uh, Groot. 
He's like, I mm-hmm. never met a Groot. Uh, very nice. But we get the introduction to the stone. Yeah, the stone was so good. How how was the reaction of the Whitehead brothers during this scene? Uh, this was also a like legit jump out of the seat, like yeah. or rolling on the floor, just like <laughs> just like shaking up. Frothing at the moment. Oh, yeah. Just like, oh, my God. Because this scene is so beautiful. Um, This scene really, in my mind, is like, now you know that the Infinity Stones are here. Or now you know Infinity Stones are in the cinematic universe. But this is the the story of why they're in the universe. Right. And we get that. And it's so well well said. Mm. You know, these inklets came together. Boom. Created the Big Bang that is now Earth and all that stuff. Um, and in the shot, you see a giant hit the ground with the staff and explodes a planet. That's a celestial. Yes, and that, that's the note I have here because mm-hmm. the top of that guy's staff is Galactus's helmet. Yes. Ah. So that's a celestial. I don't. I can't remember out of the names I just mentioned earlier His which name's one Roger. is. Roger. It's like Hergen or whatever. Um, but I don't know which one it is. But anyway, um, that planet that he slams... Was the one destroyed, uh, Morag destroyed in the... Uh... Oh, okay. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so that planet was wiped out, and that's where the Power Stone was. That's made. so cool, man. I, I remember in the theater, the group of friends that I went with to see this were not super marvel versed yeah um, i'm surprised you didn't invite me how dare I, you i know i'm surprised i didn't invite you you probably had already seen it like six times but probably the time um i was probably the person with the most marvel knowledge in that group which isn't a lot of knowledge but i do know that the infinity stones are a thing and i just remember getting really excited um during that line where he's like the something about like the the powers of the celestials were put into concentrated ingots and i just went like Ugh! and the two people on either side of me were like what's the matter are you constipated and i'm like no 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 this is the thing this is things can talk about stones uh, and then you see them for the first time you see all six and i'm just like ah they're beautiful i can't wait so it's so good um so it's great description i actually refer to that scene a lot for people who want to like get into the marvel cinematic universe i'm like have to watch guardians because there's a central piece of story that is explained for everything mm-hmm. uh, and then we see ronin call uh or sorry um drax call ronin in and it's a beautiful fight scene he drunk dials around yeah <laughs> drunk dials warning but it was cool to see how ronin fights as a kree soldier because he's got like he's got these weird like judo chop moves and stuff like that and it doesn't like drax doesn't even bother him like yeah. he's like whatever um but I love how the Guardians are finally getting together as a team. They're finally mm-hmm. starting to work together. A lot of fun there. Uh, I'm going to start speeding it up a little bit because we're kind of like recapping a lot of unnecessary scenes here that don't need to be too referenced too heavily. Um, so we're fasting forward a little bit. They they get um, Yondu and work together to get Yondu and try yes. to stop Ronin. That, there's actually a question I had for you there because this was my first time watching this movie since I've seen part two. Mm-hmm. And I find it really hard to believe Yondu would actually kill Peter Quill after seeing part two. Do you think he really was ready to kill Peter here? Or no, do you think he's all I, think, I think this is, again, I think this is an early stage of a father-son relationship where it's just like pure disappointment and trying mm. to really just... I don't want to say it this way, but really kind of beat some sense into the kid, like kind of right. thing. And I think that's what it is. It's a he's a very abusive father. Which he, you, which you have to be with kids. You yeah. got to slap him around a little bit. Uh, Personally, I like to hit mine with a two by four. <laughs> we Infinity Rewatch not condone. <laughs> no, we do not. <laughs> uh, but like, 
the thing the thing about it is is that it is a very abusive father relationship i think it's because yondu never planned to be a dad and had to raise Right. Knew knew that giving him to who his father would be would be worse, so he knew he had to be a father like role. Yeah. Um. And 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 Yondu was taught to steal to survive, and that's why they say steal from everybody, right? Mm-hmm. So Star Lord takes his takes his dad's advice a little too realistically, but uh, too literally, but you know gets it. Um. So he saves Gamora. Saves. In space, yeah, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw something of myself that was incredibly heroic. heroic. <laughs> um, and then they, so they, they team up, and then they get all the rav- ravagers. Is that what they're called? Ravagers, ravagers. Yeah. and uh, they all team up together to go to Xandar yeah. and protect it from Ronan. And then when we get that big battle, we get one of the coolest visuals I think Marvel has ever done, which is the Nova Corps the using net. a net of yeah. ships to stop the Dark Aster from landing. Well, the the cool thing too here is not only do we get to see, and we saw it earlier where we talk about, well, we didn't talk about it, but we saw it earlier where we got to see uh, one of the Kree, like Kree prime ministers, I guess, whatever his name is. Um, but we also now get to see a Kree ship. Mm-hmm. Now, we learn later on through the cinematic universe it's not exactly what the Kree look like. Yeah. But that's a Kree ship. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, and so we get the plan. Um, and uh, yeah, so the Ravengers, they team up and they try to stop this thing. We see the Nova Corps. They have the net. The net is beautiful. Yeah. And again, I love the look of the troops. The troops look all really nice. Um, and we get the flying scene. Uh, and is is it the scene with... Uh, is it the scene with John C. Riley where he's explaining to Nova Prime... No, that's not my favorite. Oh, no. okay, fair enough. No, we haven't gotten to it yet. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, oh no, I know what it is now. Yeah, it's when they get the ship back, right? And he's like talking to them, and he's and Drax is like, "I'm gonna. What if oh. I rip someone's spine out?" Oh, like, uh, that, that would be murder. Um, no, that's not my favorite scene. Oh, okay. No. I'm really bad at this. Um, I guess I can just tell you because we're pretty much at the climax of the movie now. Here is mm-hmm. uh, my favorite scene of the movie involves. Just that montage at the end where he goes home to his family and you see it's that that woman and the baby who have, were almost wiped out during the fight oh, and yeah. who got saved by the Guardians. Like, that is... They don't even get to see it, but that right there is the the fruits of their labors as heroes. Ah, oh, good point. Like, yeah. They, they never, you know, th- there's never a moment where he's like, you saved my wife and son. Like, that's that's a very cliche thing to do. Yeah. But it's just... It sh- the movie is reminding us like yeah Drax just talked about straight up murder and he's probably gonna kill some more people because of Drax but look they did that he gets to go home and hug his family because they they did that like that oh I love that so much yeah uh yeah no absolutely and you know yeah and these characters are really fun they're a fun bunch um so yeah you know it's a good point that that you really get to see the fruits of their labor too and there are fun things like these characters really they really illustrate how bad these characters are like Rocket's building a bomb Mm-hmm. On 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 uh, on Star Lord's ship, uh, Gamora slices up, you know, and cuts off uh, Groot's arms right in the first movie, yeah. the first bit of the movie. So these, yeah, these characters are pretty bad. Rocket's always threatening to shoot them and all that stuff. So they're they're definitely a rough bunch for sure. Um, but you definitely see them come together in the the final battle. Mm-hmm. Great fight scene between Nebula and Gamora. I see some oh, really cool yeah. athletics and and really cool takedowns and stuff like that. 
Um, and what a great arc those two have had mm-hmm. over all the movies they've been in. Yeah. Like watching this for the podcast, I, I remember thinking I'm sitting there and I'm watching them fight and I'm just like, oh man, there's so much more goodness between Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. Like this is just the beginning. Oh yeah. And, and what the beauty of is of their relationship is it's like they never finish their fight. Yeah. You know, there's yeah. always something intervening or something happening. Like I love, I love Drax like talks about how he's like accepting them as friends again and, and then <laughs> green horn yeah green horn like, oh you must stop <laughs> uh fires a rocket knocks nebula out uh so that's a nice scene and then i love that they the one of my favorite moments with the guardians though i always love like a team hero pose mm-hmm. and one of my favorite scenes you don't get all the guardians right away but the cool thing is is they finally get to the 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 room where um ronan is and they run up and then they do this pose like they're ready to fire the 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 hadron x enforcer or whatever it's yeah called. wow that's impressive mm-hmm. <laughs> you got that gun's name down. Uh, so I love it. And then, you know, they, the ship's crashing. We have this beautiful moment with Groot shielding them with this, with this plant. Now, the fun thing about Groot is, like, the smallest piece of him survives. He can regrow his yeah. whole body. Um, I thought, I, but my understanding is, is that in the comics is every time he's, he grows back up, he's actually the same guy. Whereas in this one, apparently, like, he, he's a new person. Like he's Oh, that's a, <coughs> I didn't bless you. I didn't even yeah. um, notice that that yeah. he's supposed to be different. Every- yeah, he's he's supposed to be. Well, no, I, like I think I don't know. I think it is the same. It's the same Groot. It's just he's new. He's reborn. He's new. Yeah, yeah, he's reborn, which is classic kind of hero's journey writing. Oh right? yeah, I um I remember when I went to watch this in the theater, that moment was actually spoiled for me. No. Uh, one of my fr- like we're sitting we're standing around talking before the movie. And one of my friends, we all gave him crap like right away. But he was like, I hear at the end of the movie, he says, we are Groot. And I was just like, dude, what are you doing? Just knocked him out Stop right it. there. Just, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah, so yeah, I would have been super, yeah. super I'm, I'm I'm bummed that I didn't get to experience yeah. we are Groot like mm-hmm. that. So so we get the dance the dance to save the universe, uh, which is great. And again, subverting expectations. You yes. Know? Talk about the beginning of the film. We get the serious tone, and then he's tune rating, and then you get a total uh, change in expectations where he puts on headphones and has a blast. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I love and I love that we revisit it later on, and it's so oh, funny. Yeah. I love War Machine's response. So, so he's an idiot. <laughs> It's so just, good. just seeing it without the music yeah. is just like <laughs> in this quiet cave. <laughs> wow. He just looks so unimpressed. He's like, <laughs> so he's an idiot. Um, so anyways, Dance Save the Universe. I love it. Great. Mm. So, like, Because I was expecting a very big battle. Um, and then we get the interesting payoff after. So he defeats Ronan. And he's talking to Nova Prime. And she says, you're half Terran. And the other half is something we haven't seen before. And everyone was banking on Jason of Spartatax because, again, he is considered a, like, alien race royalty. Like, that's right. what he's considered. So no one was expecting him to be, like, Ego, like the son of Ego, which you learn later on. So that was really new there. Um, and then, yeah, we get the scene where they get the ship back from Denarian Day. And mm-hmm. uh, I love that they're like... You know, what if uh, what if I want to steal something from someone and they don't want it, right? And he's like, that's stealing. And he's like, yeah, but I want it more. So. <laughs> but, I want it more. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's beautiful. It's a great scene. Um, the, the end credit scene was originally supposed to be Groot dancing in his little thing, which became like, 
again, you know, you now you have Baby Yoda, Baby Groot. Baby Groot, yeah. It turns something into a baby and it's going to like sell like crazy. I remember there was toys that came out of like the little tree. Yeah, I bought one for my mom because she's a huge Michael Jackson fan. Like, oh, yeah. Scarily into Michael Jackson. Um, and I remember I showed her, I just like randomly, I can't remember why. I was like, mom, look at this. And I showed her the last the credit scene just the credit scene because i was like she's probably not gonna like this movie mm -hmm. so i showed her that scene she's like oh my god that's so cute like what is this and i'm like oh it's this movie so i put the movie on for her and she loved it so nice. now she loves Gar that i think that's the only marvel franchise that she really knows about or cares about yeah. she saw iron man and she liked that too but she loves guardians of the galaxy um and then afterwards there's howard the duck Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck was the big one. That was big. Uh, Howard the Duck did have a film earlier on mm. um, with uh, the actress who was in Back to the Future. Leah uh, Thompson. Leah She's Thompson, a beautiful yeah. lady. Beautiful lady. Um, uh, but again, it was a weird movie. It just didn't connect. It didn't. Was it really? Yeah, it was, <laughs> was a it weird really weird movie? Uh, that was uh, that was something else. It's a that movie that movie. nobody wanted. <laughs> no, and it's so eighties. Oh, yeah. It's uh, it's actually a very graffiti movie you and I talk about. I Peter. love it graffiti is, movies. It is very much one of those. For for you listeners out there, our definition of a graffiti movie is where they heavily emphasize on practical effects, but they also use kind of like these, uh, there's like a mist. There's a mist. Yeah, there's a grungy look to the practical effects. Yeah. Um, the, the first Ninja Turtles movie is like the prime example of a Dark tones, movie. bright colors. Yeah. A lot of fog. A lot of use yeah, of fog. Yeah, lots of fog. Yeah. Uh, those are and we love those graffiti movies, yeah. but uh, yes, that's a very eighties eighties type of movie. So fantastic. Um, so yeah, that's Guardians of the Galaxy in a nutshell, guys. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians, good old Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, did anybody die? In the, yeah, Ronan died in this movie, right? And the other Ronan. I gotta go to the Ronan died. The other died, um, and also there is another character. Hold on, Ronan died. Oh my god, it's sitting at the tip of my tongue. Ugh. Going to our cemetery. Korath. Korath the Pursuer. Korath died. the Pursuer, that's right, thank you. What um what do you think Ronan's tombstone would look like in this cemetery? Here he lies accused. <laughs> oh beautiful. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. Alright, so let me I'm gonna start adding to our character encyclopedia here. Because we got a lot of people in this. Yeah, we in got a lot here. of people. So in this let me one. let me see here. So we got Gamora. We got Gamora. We Gamora, Gamora and her brother Sodom. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Stanley. I'm sorry. I'm making fun of your comics. Nebula. Yeah. Um, Thanos. Star. Oh, oh well, no, Thanos. We yeah, that. we've already met Thanos. Yeah. Uh, we got Star Lord. Who? Who? Star Lord, man. Uh, was that also? Um, a thing in the comics no. where he... people knew who he was oh uh, no not that but yeah. the whole aspect of him being from earth and always making like these references like his ship is called the milano because he had a crush on Alyssa milano like was oh, that a comic thing oh yeah no 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 oh, no wow. no uh, actually the funny thing is though about his the comic book is like his dad every time he runs into his dad he's always in a lot of trouble like he's like on the run from the law or something mm -hmm. and his dad's like son why are you like why are you on the run from the law again? Like, did you steal money with this this alien chick? And he's like, yeah, jealous. And he's like, yeah, son, of course I'm jealous. <laughs> like, very sarcastically. Yeah. But it's super funny. And he does it every single scene. He runs into his dad. It's the same thing. He's like, are you doing this? And he's like, jealous. And he's like, yeah, son, I'm jealous. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We got a lot of characters, man. We got all the Guardians. We got Yondu, Ronan, Korath. 
Uh, Nova Prime, mm-hmm. who I think is going to be... I'm going to add her because I feel like we're definitely going to see her again. Yeah. Keep uh, Actually, yeah. No, uh, Nebula. Mm-hmm. Nebula. Nova Prime. And uh, that's... Is that everybody? I think that is everybody. I don't think we're going to see Ronit again, even though we mentioned we might see her in Ragnarok. I think Ronit is yep. done. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she's done. But now it's time to rate this movie. How, yeah. many, how many stones? How many infi- How many concentrated ingots are we giving? Ooh, yeah, good question. Good question. I'm going to go right ahead and say I'm giving this a gauntlet. This is literally, wow. Ryan, one gauntlet. of my favorite movies ever made. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah, it's in my top 100 yeah. for sure. I love this film a lot. I'm going, I have to go gauntlet. I, I've i been generous with gauntlets, and I feel like I shouldn't be, but this, I know. this deserves a gauntlet, though, because it was different. C-listing characters and James Gunn came out with a beautiful, just beautiful cinematic experience. The soundtrack was great. The characters were fun. The dialogue was there. Mm. No point I was bored. The color, the use of color was brilliant. Yeah, uh, visuals were stunning. Both practical sets with beautiful CG blends of effects. It was yeah, it, it deserves a gauntlet. For why, sure. why can't we live in a world as colorful as this? I don't I understand don't why know. that can't be a I thing. I don't know. Maybe we live in Vancouver or something. <laughs> I don't know. I, have you seen the new Invisible Man movie? No. It's very, very good. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. And uh, somebody made a, like some fan made a really funny riff on the poster. Yeah. Uh, in the poster, you have like um, uh, the girl. There, I'm blanking on her name. Um, the main actress from yeah, Invisible the, Man. Yeah, from Elizabeth uh, Moss. Elizabeth, yeah, yeah. yeah, you have her, and it says you know Invisible Man, and then behind her, somebody added Drax, where he's eating the peanuts really slowly, <laughs> and he's like, "I've mastered the art of invisibility." <laughs> <laughs> That is awesome. Oh, I definitely have to check that out. Um, but this has been Guardians of the Galaxy. This has now got two Infinity Gauntlets from us. Mm-hmm. Great movie. And now we're moving on to Age of Ultra. Ooh, and what an age it is. That's but, right. Uh, I'm so happy we got some. Oh, Guardians, finally. I was looking forward to talking about Guardians. Of the I was too, man. I was yeah. too. Plus, we got a lot of great movies ahead after Yes, so. we do. Let's do it. All right, everybody. Well, you heard it here not first because everybody loves this movie but you heard it here 39th Guardians of the Galaxy is good yeah. and you should watch it and if you don't we're coming for you that's uh, right so have a marvelous day and we'll see you next time